the mission is to improve data quality basically. So we don't have just one authority to uh, enforce people to work in a specific way or with a specific framework. Sometimes when we start to measure, we see quite a big number that were inconsistent because no one was checking what was happening in that particular uh, interface. Hey everyone, welcome to the Bol.com Tech Lab podcast. We share our experience with you. Speaking behind the screens of IT and tech in general at Bol.com, the largest e-commerce platform in the Netherlands and Belgium. We are sharing our approach to IT, e-commerce and retail platforms. The hosts of the show, Peter Paul van der Beek and Peter Brouwers. Okay, it's an awesome day with an awesome topic. And even if it looks not appealing to you, you might want to think about it. Because if you work in a larger microservice landscape or have a serious big data platform, then this could be your topic. So Peter, you wanted to discuss some latest news. Yeah, we have to uh, discuss uh, some news first. We, we like the interactions. So uh, one of the uh, reactions was uh, yeah, the front-end quality and in interactive heavy application. Uh, we got a re- uh, reaction from adhackages.io and they want to follow up in a joint effort. So that's really nice. We also had an uh, author, um, which, uh, his name is Sean Livermore, and he wrote the book, The Effort Joe, Be the Silicon Valley Tech Genius, and he offers to be uh, yeah, uh, a guest in our show, so let us know what you think of that, and uh, maybe we can invite him. And uh, we are we're planning some follow-ups on GraphQL and Storybook, uh, also in cooperation with an external company called Frontman. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, Peter Paul and I uh, were really enthusiastic about uh, the ethics topic, ethics in tech. So uh, we found a link to uh, a person. Uh, she's called Siri uh, Behrens, and she's really into this sub- subject. And she uh, made a v- video on the social dilemma uh, with the title "Didn't discuss the whole story." And her presentation. Uh, and she did a presentation at the University of Maastricht. So we had a look at that. Maybe we follow up on that later. Uh, and one of our engineers contributed to an open source project, uh, Volkan, who's now an official committer in that uh, Apache logging service, maybe also a guest for next show. So a lot of stuff uh, going on in, in this area. But now, uh, yeah, let's uh, switch over to the, to the topic of this show. And uh, when I was preparing, I, uh, yeah, one of the things I do is I Google it and uh, yeah, data consistency in the microservice landscape results in 1.2 million uh, results in Google. So there's really something going on here and time to uh, introduce the guests, uh, Peter Paul. Yeah, so I think uh, our first guest uh, actually doesn't need an introduction because uh, Mikola was a guru, of, uh, was a, a guest on our, on our first episode. So everybody knows him and his knowledge on Kotlin as well. And those who haven't listened to that uh, podcast episode, they will... Uh, probably know uh, one of his uh, testing in production uh, talks. So, uh, yeah, he's really a a jack of all trades and uh, I really appreciate it uh, for that. And then we have uh, Chris, Chris Koenig, software engineered on a crusade. Uh, I had to tell uh, (laughs) based on the introduction by Nicola. And he's uh, one of the founding fathers of DQS. And we'll uh, dive into that later in the podcast, what that is and how that helps to solve our uh, uh, data issues. (laughs) Or as he uh, mentioned before, that everything shit with our data. (laughs) We'll come to that uh, as well. 
So the, the third guest uh, today is uh, Surinya. He's a, a tech lead in uh, experimentation, forecasting, and finance uh, product, and a lot more. But you, given that he's for, for example, the finance product, you can imagine that uh, data quality is really uh, an important uh, topic there. So uh, yeah, we're really glad to have them uh, on the show. Good to have you. Good to be here. Hey, um, yeah. So, so it's for the for the, also for the people to uh, to to get uh, used to to, uh, to your forces. Uh, yeah. Why are you so personally involved that you decided to say yes when we invited uh, you to uh, to join uh, on this podcast? Ah, uh, let's start alphabetically, uh, Chris. Uh, me. Well, I am in Team Falcon, which is uh, the data in flights team, basically above for the platform. So uh, this. Uh, is kind of our area, and I would like to make a, a contribution here to explain what we do and why it's important. And the mission is to improve data quality, basically. So if I can uh, do a little bit here, then uh, that's why I'm here. Cool, cool. And for you, Mikola? Hi. Um, yes, uh, the reason I started to get interested in this data quality is I was uh, working with feature teams, and for us, the data that we were exposing to BigQuery interfaces for analysis and so on were quite important. And we were actually proud about our consistency and so on. But then when the ripple uh, caused by Chris with DQS started to reach us, we noticed that first, the DQS at that time didn't have all the features we needed. And second, uh, when we did implement the proof of concept ourselves, not everything was as rosy and shiny as we thought of and assumed that everything would be fine. Since then, I joined the Falcon team, where Chris is busy with, uh, to help build a new generation of data quality tool based on our POC. Cool. Are you sure, yeah? Well, I'm being, uh, I've been interested into data quality for quite some years, actually. Uh, my first team at Boulder.com was Team 7. That is a team that works very closely to uh, BI people. Mm-hmm. And obviously, when you want some business reports, uh, it's very important that the data is correct. So uh, definitely important for me to have a good data quality at Ball. And also before joining Ball, I was working as a consultant in uh, Hortonworks. And there I had some, uh, I remember one project in a very big, one of the big four audit companies. Mm-hmm. And uh, there we had to do a migrations from their ledger from a Microsoft system to a Hadoop systems. And obviously when you do the migration, you want to have exactly the same results on the finance basis. So data quality there was also very important. And I remember that we missed a kind of data quality uh, software to help us on that. Okay. So so for you, it really has to do with scratching an itch that you had yourself actually for all of you. Uh, so that's always a, a good uh, point to start uh, searching for, uh, for great solutions. So what we tend to do the episodes is uh, basically uh, shake up the discussion at first uh, a little by uh, yeah, sharing some statements with you and see how you uh, how you think about it. Now, the first one is uh, kind of uh, provocative, uh, basically stating from yeah, why would we would we care? It's it's just data. I mean, yeah, it's all about the business rules, right? That's what what we really do, right? Or am I missing something here, guys? Well, okay, in well. It's only about data. It's a bit of a tricky question. For me, the data is the most important thing because I'm working for big data for nearly eight years. So uh, for me, data is the most important thing. 
Uh, but it's true that uh, in general, when you look at it, well, data quality is not maybe the uh, the most exciting topic. I mean, people want uh, jump onto this kind of uh, project. Being, hey, yeah, that's a look. Uh, that's a very cool project. I want to do data quality. Yeah, you don't have that kind of a lot of people like this, and it's a bit of pity because uh, obviously. A lot of the business reports you make that are based on data, well, they are totally useless if they don't have any good data. Uh, so you can have some very uh, nice, fancy Tableau dashboards with a lot of uh, functionalities, but if the data is crap, then, uh, well, it's it's all for nothing. Same thing, you have uh, um, now matching learnings and uh, IA. Those are very... Uh, hype topics and well everybody wants to be a data science person but yeah the, the best algorithm the best machine learning algorithm in the world will be totally worthless if you don't feed it with some good uh, data so i definitely think that uh, data quality is uh, one of the most important thing uh, you need to ensure as a company okay so that's a clear one it starts with the data hey the second uh, statement we have is um well, yeah, actually the microservice is not the issue. It's the independent data storage solution uh, that is the issue. So let's get back to the centralized uh, databases. Uh, yeah, besides, it makes uh, testing uh, also a lot easier. I will try. I will answer a little bit. Uh, yes, life is a little bit easier if you have one uh, database, transactional database, and everything is fully consistent with uh, each other. But even when we were at the times of the microservices, you see that there, are, there is a limit to which you can scale it. Even the uh, systems that are based on monoliths with a big enterprise, you will usually have a couple of monoliths. As soon as you have more than one monolith, you, you're starting to get the equation about the, the consistency. Even then, even even if within the transaction everything is consistent and correct, that's also not always the case. That's even with the monolith. That's also another way to scale it is to start breaking the processes even if you are working with the same database. So basically, it's not a universally scalable solution. That's why we have to deal, generally speaking, with distributed environment, be it microservices or multiple uh, monoliths. And can I just add that in our case, what we're doing at all is um, more for reporting. So we have BigQuery as some kind of end stage where um, you have the normal service containing this data store could be Postgres, Oracle, anything, uh, which will contain the actual real-time data. And then for reporting, we're not using that actual data. That's why we have data replication tools, like Stanley, for example, to copy that data over to the cloud so you can do the reporting and all that. So whether you have a monolith or not, you still got to keep those in sync. So there's a, a couple of good reasons to do that, actually. Otherwise, like if you... If you trying to query reporting kind of stuff on the local services, then they might collapse due to that uh, specific load or whatever. So that's oh. why we have that. And on top of on that one, we also have microservices. So we have a lot of BigQuery, so that's like a matrix complexity. True. Uh, just oh. to add some uh, one complementary information on what uh, Chris said. So Chris mentioned BigQuery. So just for those who don't know, well, BigQuery is uh, one technology in the Google Cloud uh, that is actually the, the SQL data warehouse part of, uh, of Google. 
Yeah, and that Bol.com we use that as our big data platform, right? That's that's our indeed. This this is the place where th- we put what we would call our data lake. So most of our big data would go to uh, BigQuery. I would add also uh, to what Chris said that indeed, even if you are fully in the monolith, and that was the reason why we started, I think, early to put to build those data lakes. That then analysts starting to do fancy joins, fancy aggregations, and they kill the production database. So it drives you even early to start uh, decoupling those databases, production and analysis. Yeah, so we identify that data consistency is an issue also in, in, in uh, centralized databases, monolith systems, uh, and uh, like Chris added, uh, uh, separation of the uh, data uh, for reporting. So we need data consistency. Uh, and yeah, now we have you on the table, but actually we should have invited an uh, architect uh, for this one, be- for this show, because I, yeah, it's his or her role to, to fix this, right? Sorinia is an architect, right? He was at least. All right. So we have the correct person at the table. <laughs> Yay. Thanks. <laughs> and, and, and I prefer the QS. But, but apart from that, it's, um, I, I think the, the problem, uh, at Bordercon and well, surely in a lot of different companies is that we don't have just one authority to uh, enforce people to work in a specific way or with a specific framework or with specific rules. Uh, at Bordercom, well, we have this concept of team autonomy. So each team is a bit free to develop its own way with its own uh, solution. So it's it's very difficult to have one architect, as you said, to, uh, to enforce some data quality rules. And the role of the Stanley team, where, uh, where Chris and Nicola uh, work, is to produce some tools, some frameworks that uh, are so nice that they would be adopted by a lot of uh, different teams. Because once again, we cannot force a team to adopt one of our uh, solution. And those um, frameworks common to outcomes should be good enough in order to provide some uh, good standards, some good data qualities, for instance. Yeah, so you... You're saying that the, I, I think there's a tension in there, remember, because data consistency uh, reflects on on the whole landscape. Eh? If you're talking about uh, the order, uh, the order starts with uh, yeah the, with the web shop and ends up in in the in the customer service area. So it it, it moves through the whole uh, system and as, as well for financial information. So can you really say that teams should solve this autonomy? autonomously with some frameworks or should we enforce it more? Well, actually, we've tried that um, naive as we were two years ago, starting with the first B2S data quality service, of actually checking. Personally, I hoped that engineers would be so happy to have another instrument of measuring things. They would be seeing all these differences and they had a high incentive to fix that. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. due to reasons and maybe people didn't know that existed or usually now they do know that it exists but still it's a lot of work or so that's like voluntarily uh, depending on people's goodwill is not really a way to do this so um, right now Petra Hulsen our company is actually 
trying to uh, be the stakeholder you know, for the whole company, more or less. So she's chasing uh, POs or feature teams like, I want to have that data set uh, being checked. So kind of a secure uh, tick box like, this is safe uh, to use, for example. Uh, and that, so they get time on the roadmap and then it's in contact us, like, oh, I want to use your tool. Can you help me? Or how can I go about that? And that actually works. So it, I think the approach kind of similar to what we have with security at the moment. Security is just another layer of, uh, like you can have autonomy as long as it's restricted to this business. With data quality, it can be the same thing. Um, so that means it should be backed uh, from pretty high up, actually. So hopefully we, we get the word out. So Yuri, if you're listening, we need your support. <laughs> I would also maybe try to jump here at that there are uh, it's not that people don't want to have consistent data and do the proper uh, provide the proper systems, uh, consistent systems. It's that there are lots of uh, priorities and lots of data streams. And if, for example, you're talking about some financial order, yes, everybody is very look uh, carefully looking that the data is going through systems well. But when you have extra outlets, like for reporting, the uh, level of priority for those teams is much lower. Okay, it's just for analysis. If we lose one or two messages, it's not a big deal, and maybe it's not a big deal often. But then the equation is how many do you actually use? How much is inconsistent? And that's part of the tooling that we're trying to build to measure this stuff. Okay, if you're losing a little bit, maybe it's okay for you. It's fine, but you want to know how much. Sometimes when we start to measure, we see quite a big number that were inconsistent because no one was checking what was happening in that particular uh, interface, data interface. I think it does also a lot to see with uh, the maturity of the company regarding the usage of the data. And well, at Bolcom at the beginning, where we were more focused, uh, well, we are still focused a lot on uh, operational um, uh, solutions, so things that really uh, have a direct impact on the business, just like well, delivering goods or having the web shop running uh, and then of course well, step by step where well, we start using more of the data to take some decisions so it started maybe I don't know 10 years ago when we started to work with Hadoop and then we uh, introduced some uh, nice reports on top of this data and then two three years ago we migrated to the cloud and we have now much more scale than before. We're using tables or much more professional uh, dashboardings. So a lot of business people start to use more and more the data. And we have also a whole team that educate more the people how they have to use the data. And if people will start to use the data more and more, they will start to require more quality, hopefully. So there is this process of our company growing with this usage of the data. Yeah, so you're saying data-driven uh, means meet more requirements on the data quality. Uh, yeah. Yes, indeed. Go ahead, Pete Paul. No, I was saying the same as you that that uh, that, that you start a cycle with uh, with more usage of the data. Uh, you see also what's wrong with the data, and then you're going to demand a higher quality of the data, and the higher quality uh, invokes more usage of data. Uh, data being more spread throughout the company. And it's a cycle that keeps uh, repeating it uh, itself. Really interesting uh, uh, perspective on uh, how this process works. 
Maybe let's try to structure it a bit. Maybe uh, we uh, we went over some uh, statements and, and dilemmas, maybe. Uh, but now, yeah, get into the questions and structure it. Uh, um, uh, we we explained already why data consistency became an issue. Um, but what are the in in, in general? Uh, um, yeah, what, what what do you see as general solutions? How do you approach such such an uh, an issue and yeah, then we can discuss how we uh, solved it within uh, Bold.com so far. You mean how these solutions, how how these problems are solved generally, and what did we choose to do that? Yeah, so in high over, mm -hmm. you have a couple of ways to attack uh, an issue mm -hmm. like this, data consistency in uh, Microsoft landscape, and, uh, and you know we came up in, in Bold.com with a solution. So maybe it's good to uh, to tell something about that first, uh, the general ones. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I'm actually curious about the general ones because when I was looking for solutions for our problem, I didn't, well, you said there are lots of hits about data consistency in my, microservices, but I didn't find, I probably Googled not correctly, but I was not really finding the uh, blueprints on how to check that, that data is consistent in our cases. So, uh, in, for, uh, yes. In, in this situation, I think, uh, Mikola, maybe, uh, maybe I'm the, I'm the fool in this one. Uh, the, 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 when I Google it and, and I see some general solutions like, uh, uh maybe you start out, start out laughing loud now. <laughs> uh, the, the Saka patterns, I see a lot, uh, reconciliation, uh, use, uh, use of event logs. I see, uh, write-ups about orchestration versus, uh, choreography. So, uh, that's a difficult Choreography. That one. Yeah. Thank you, Pat. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. I see the point. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That we, we used in, 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 I can tell from my experience and from what I see in other teams, we also use this, but that's the part of the, how you build things consistent, but how you know that all the small pieces, because there are lots of moving parts here. There are, in the, especially in the distributed environment, there is a, there are timing issues, the question of tooling, how reliable the tools that they're using, whether there are changes breaking sometimes in the, those toolings. Infrastructure is always moving, especially when you're moving to the cloud. Mistakes that you make in the implementation of whatever uh, pat, uh, pattern and so on. And we were tr we were trying to build all the, uh, all the time checks in our operational flows. Like if we are sending some message, we expect some confirmation, even though my, we might not need it fun from functional point of view. So this, but, is, this is like interesting what you say now uh, to to address what we are talking about. So the the items I were mentioning were the the ways to 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 build in a specific way, yes. and what we are here discussing with you is how to uh, how to uh, verify check, how, to, how to verify how to check yeah, that exactly. that we are consistent. Okay. Yeah. That's and that's where our data quality initiative is coming because especially when you're going a little bit outside of the direct operational uh, things where you can have a feedback if you're just sending data to uh, data to some data query, like you can check individual records that they are there. Yes, I, I have a story which says when there is a change, the, the row appears. Yes, you can check, but how can you check that it's fully consistent, especially if it's an important uh, sensitive interface? And that's where we were doing these checks. Well, we, we were looking how to do this. The simplest way is you do just uh, select count that the counts are correct. But then in the distributed, especially environment, you get into the situation that there's always some data in flight. How do you take this into account that adds uh, an extra dimension of the complexity and maybe Chris could uh, introduce a little bit into the idea before be behind the first uh, generation of DQS we called it immutable DQS certainly yeah that was actually really um, an MVP uh, as simple as it was basically 
um, you would have an input as a query where you could uh, select your data into some kind of checksum. So your query would be like select some uh, on an important field, could be entity key, uh, whatever. Uh, if you want to have multiple coverage, then you need to be creative here, like do sum uh, this field plus a sum of another and so on. And then you would also do that on the target side, so BigQuery in this case. And then DQS would be as simple as comparing those two values. And if the, the difference was zero, then it was good. As simple as that. You know, it was a start, better than nothing. Um, we learned that not a lot of people were using it because, uh, not because the tool was not good enough, but I don't know, they didn't want to time, uh, issues basically on, on priority, should I say. Um, but however, when a problem arises, it's very difficult to debug. Like I have this checksum here and it says it's not equal to that checksum. Which row is wrong? So we kind of made a, a big version two. Uh, only this year, the three of us actually, uh, with all the knowledge of the previous one and actually improved a lot on that. So the, the, the foremost thing was that the, the first DQS can only support immutable data structures. It could not backtrack changes. Uh, so that only covers, well, I'm not sure, Srinia, like 20% of the landscape. Like the majority is doing updates, like being mutable. Uh, so that you know, you would need a tool for 100% of the landscape, basically. So that was the the major reason to do that. And then we also learned, like, the checksumming, of course, you need to do something, because if you're going to compare one row by one row, usually data sets in bold.com are quite big. So we've seen, uh, like, 300 million rows for sure, or, I don't know, like, 700 million from some financial statement. You, you cannot possibly get this into memory and compare. So what, what are you going to do? You're going to check some it, like squeeze it down, like put a uh, hundred thousand rows into a single checksum and then compare that on the other side. If you see a mismatch, then you're going to zoom in and down drill, figure out what is the corresponding uh, single entity that is, or multiple in this case, that is actually wrong. And it's, it's a similar practice to, I always say this, the Java hash code and equals stuff. So there's a high level checking with hash code. If it collides, then it's going to do the equals, which is more expensive. And if it's equal, then it considers it equal also. Um, so if, if you have a good query, this, this will work also for large data sets. Um, so that's uh, basically how it works. And, and by doing it like that, we are able to also do it for the the, the mutable uh, data. Exactly. Yeah. Also multi-column. So it's a matrix comparison, what it does. And the, the big difference compared to the earlier version is that we've introduced uh, some kind of window. Um, so let's say Sora has 20 years of data. Um, for, for the audience, the, the source uh, collection of uh, supporter data. Supporter uh, service, yeah. yeah. So back all the way back to 2000, uh, the first order. Um, so it becomes less relevant back in time. Of course, we cannot possibly decide this, so that will be up to the team or the, the stakeholders there. Basically, you can say, you can define some kind of window where the business defines what is important right now. So if you lose data this year, 
do you want to know about this? Do you want to check this? Some teams even only go back a month or something. So that the, the shorter the window is, uh, the less stress it is on your operational database, for example. And, uh, but unfortunately, some teams have a larger window, like years back. And then it's going to be quite a challenge to deal with that uh, pretty big matrix that you get. Like lots of rows, lots of columns. And a, a very nice feature that has uh, this new version of DTS is that we also have another kind of window to check for in-flight data, as Nicola mentioned a bit. That is, um, if you look at the data that has arrived right now, maybe this data has already been committed to your PostgreSQL database, but not, but has not arrived yet in your uh, BigQuery table, because, well, there is always a bit of delay for sending this kind of reporting data. So uh, the new version of BigQuery allows you to say, hey, if you see an error, uh, some some mistakes, some discrepancies in the data that has arrived in the last hour, well, please don't send some alerts on uh, this data. You will still get some reports in order to know, hey, you see some discrepancies, but this is for late arrival or well, the data from the last hour, so don't get too afraid. Exactly, and then when everything is correct the next hour, basically, or in an hour, in two hours, you know, everything is okay, and just can continue, basically. But if after like an hour or two hours, there's still uh, yeah, there's still an error, then you know that you have to go and take action. Exactly. Yes, that's the idea. Yeah, so the question was, uh, you have this uh, surface, like the shop order surface, you move it, uh, you move your data to the data lake, uh, and you use the data quality surface to verify if your own data is, is uh, in sync between both uh, surface and data lake. But what about data that's moving from surface to surface? Uh, the, the, the SOAR, the owner of the data, should they implement the data quality service or should the receiver implement data quality? Or is, is it not used in, in, in between services? How does that work? I can start answering this. Um, it's uh, possible the the implementation that we did, it's basically generic. It doesn't really care from where you send data to where. We, as long as you have an API or we support also BigQuery, you can do the comparisons. And there are already ideas how to do the comparison between different step, steps, different services where you just uh, measure data on one side, measure on the other, and it will be one service and another and do these correlations. But we don't see that many implementations yet on this area. So usually it is still custom work uh, for custom situations by by the teams, which can also be sometimes efficient, but we think that we believe that our tool can be a good starting point, and we try to make it appealing to the developers and to the business stakeholders, so that they would consider, okay, maybe you can use it uh, out-of-the-box solution, internal out-of-the-box solution, and get out-of-the-box the thought-through uh, concepts like in-flight window, aggregations into buckets, zoom in for to determine what exactly went wrong, uh, already out of the box, uh, uh, metrics where you can build your alerts, uh, ad advice how you build the alerts. Uh, we are adding some features for to have a drill down what is your data quality. Ideally, as a developer, I prefer my data quality to be 100%, but sometimes people can make compromises and say, okay, if for this field we have some deviations with, which don't exceed certain level, then it's not a showstopper. We can live with it. 
Otherwise, for this field, it's very important, or for this kind of data, it's very important. Then the thresholds for alerting much lower. Um, about those uh, thresholds, I think this is some nice, really nice feature uh, we have in the new version of DQS that it not only tells you if your data is correct or not, but it's going to tell you, well, this data is maybe 10% incorrect or 50% incorrect. And it's going to give you a metric for uh, every column you decide to compare. So let's say that you have five columns uh, in your comparison of DQS and one column maybe is on the price, another column is on the retailer ID, another column would be uh, maybe on the global ID, so the ID of our products. And well, maybe for a specific department, it's much more important that the price is correct and they don't care if the retailer ID is correct. And because the new version DQS gives you the information of how many percentage of each field is correct, well, you can take some decision based on that. So I really like this feature in our new version. Exactly. So it's more like a tool to assess how serious the damage is and whether you can live with it or that you definitely should take action now. Well, you can define that yourself. Like you need to come up with the right expressions. Like it mm -hmm. doesn't have an opinion about them. You're just going to output something. So you need, you need okay. to decide with the query. Uh, so mm -hmm. uh, to keep it simple, you have two queries, one for your source, one for your target, and you yeah. define which columns are relevant to you. You, you decide what the where clause is going to be like only, I don't know, black products, only white. So, like, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's up to you what you want to compare. If you have too many products and you're going to say, well, the white ones are the important. Okay. Check that first. Right. So, you decide what is going to happen. So also you decide if something is a problem or not. And going back to the other question, like uh, checking between services, uh, it is not really happening at the moment. Uh, but of course, um, DQS in the core is just comparing a data source with another one. Um, it, it's as simple as that. So, so far, as, as usually the MVP strategy at Ball, start small, just ask for people if they would like to use this feature. That was enough. So now people use it more and more. It's easy for us to support, for example, a REST to REST implementation, basically hiding away the data source. Um, but for example, we could also support Postgres to Postgres. There might be some security related problems there, but like DQS can basically do anything. Um, so if people want that, then surely we can make it happen. Okay. We have. Six minutes left. I would like to cover at least one topic more. I don't know whether we have, we can extend this uh, time or not. And that's the develop. Hmm? I can extend. It's nice. Uh, I, I, yeah. We can sit back as a host. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, very good. With Covid, Nikola, I think the, we can go to that uh, topic. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think what was at least for me a very interesting experience with this DQS Data Quality Service uh, Initiative is. Um, the focus on the developer's experience. Uh, what we notice that there are all, it's natural that many of the internal tooling that we build, we build it in MVP fashion because we want to move fast and so on. And then it can have very rough ages when some feature teams or someone starts to implement using it because it doesn't cover all the cases. It's not always built with the ease of use uh, by the consumer, by the implementer uh, mindset. And 
we had these experiences that was a little bit maybe a part of the slowdown in the adoption of the first uh, versions of DQS, and we tried to put more effort into making our tool more useful so that it has less friction uh, how, uh, when you're starting to use. We also have, with our primary target audience, uh, backend engineers, teams, we that are using usually Kotlin and have IntelliJ or some other tools available, we also uh, built a, a development step where you can very conveniently, without deploying anything to production by just having access to the data sets, do the comparison on your local workstation. And then sometimes you can see, oh, I need to fix some underlying issue before I even start to do to uh, deploy things and start uh, do alerting. And you can tune, fine-tune the parameters, the queries, and then when you have this setup working on your uh, development workstation, you can ta- uh, take a further steps with which longer feedback loop by configuring, deploying to production, tuning it there. Yeah, so the, the end user uh, involvement in the development process for the DQS is key for the success of uh, of the adoption of version two, right? It's one of the important keys. We we work also on the, with the stakeholders, with the business stakeholders, especially uh, down down the chain of usage the usage of the data. They try to put it as a requirement, but be it's also good to work on the uh, developer experience because those will be the people who will be implementing it. They will implement it. They will like it or not like it. They will try to avoid it if they don't like it. It will be spreading the word about the tool. And it's also interesting in this respect that for us, for example, we look at the DQS as those who build it as as this tool which sits within certain landscape. Like we we don't build ourselves the communication to other services. We don't build how you set up a certain rights and so on. That's part of the broader platform. But for, for our, our users, for our feature teams, they see it as a whole package. And sometimes they say, okay, we say that DKS is very easy to implement, but we're thinking just configuring the knobs and making it running. For our users, it's having data available. Maybe they need to add some extra columns, extra data in their sources or target databases. Also configure com- communication between different services. Some of them are sensitive that they need to go to security. And that's the whole package. And then when we're saying it's very s- small and short, and they say, come and say, but it took us so much long. We need also to be uh, to, to, to think also a little bit from the packaging point of view. Just to complement a bit uh, what uh, Mikola said, uh, as for the developer perspective, so... Obviously, we try to make DQS very easy for uh, any IT person uh, developing or to implement uh, DQS. But I would also add that uh, DQS can be also very valuable for uh, IT people. So we said a data quality is very important for business, for data science people. Yeah, that's true. And uh, those uh, people are the target people we had in mind with uh, DQS. But... Developers can also take benefit of DQS. Uh, for instance, let's say that you want to refactor your software. So refactoring is a lot of work, and obviously, well, you can make some mistakes. And usually, as a developer, you're going to use some uh, unit testings and maybe more integration testing in order to ensure that everything runs fine. But eventually, well, the real test is only when you launch it to Pro and you see how smooth it runs. So uh, by using DQS, what you could think of is to have to run your older version of the software, to run your new version of the software with the same data, 
and to compare those two data. And maybe, Chris, this is something you can comment about because I think this is something you've used a lot in the standard team, right? That's right, in fact. So um, you mentioned the example of the refactoring. Uh, it's very valid. Uh, but I also like to point out that Stanley itself, so T Stanley, as I call the data replicator uh, to the cloud, replicated to the cloud, basically. So we discovered um, big problems in the deduplication process, so the acre synchronous processing uh, of things. And um, basically what Stanley did was um, destroy some data, especially in the right to be forgotten setting, um, back in time. So there was actually, the SOAR was affected by this. And the uh, immutable DQS, the first version of DQS, did not detect this. Uh, so it was actually a very smart uh, analyst that was very uh, keen on this, and she, she discovered this 0.1% data loss, uh, which is still uh, too much, if you ask me, but nobody noticed it anyway. So mm. from what I've learned, is our own tool, Stanley, can also screw it up. Um, so it's just in, in the chain of the, the whole thing, like the servers can make mistakes, Stanley can make mistakes, BigQuery even, BigQuery is quite complicated, streaming buffers, uh, partitioning, you know, a lot can go wrong. So just have this end-to-end -end thing uh, working for you as some kind of safety net and you can just refactor or uh, do what you want and this thing will help you uh, if it's still as good as it used to be. And, and we we did that in Team Falcon actually recently, uh, where a perfect example of us eating our own dog food. Uh, so we, we to, in order to fix this problem, we had to come up with a completely new engine, as I call it, in Stanley to fix this deduplication. Serenia was actually created the new engine. Uh, it seemed to work, but we were worried that if we would release this, there would be a lot of problems with it. So we didn't want to uh, have that risk of deploying that. So what we did is actually copy uh, about 40 projects in Shadow when we run it for weeks with the new engine, uh, cloning from the existing production setup into an, a separate actual table, and then have DQS check both the current setup and the new engine. So we've learned a lot, basically. The engine was was fine, um, but some of the data sets were really having issues that was now discovered all of the time. And it was really great. Like, we we learned our own software, so we tweaked DQS a bit more, even because there were some tiny issues and things that were inconvenient. And it seemed that our engine has proven to be uh, quite good, and we felt a lot safer for people to upgrade. Because it was, yeah, we think it's okay, you know. It's and you had the proof. Yeah, it, it was the best test that we uh, that we had so far. So using our own tools. So oh. and and we use the same thing for uh, Stanley snapshots, uh, which could also compare the existing solution with the new one that we built. And um, yeah, so that's it's a great tool to use from uh, from personal experience. Cool. Hey, before we go to the closing round. Um one question left. What, what's coming up in version three? What, uh, what do we have in mind for, uh, for the data quality service? We don't have very, uh, very well-defined plans now. The current version two has lots of capabilities that can be used. We are slightly in, in, increasing the 
um, versatility of it. So you can originally it was built to only compare API to BigQuery. Now we added support BigQuery to BigQuery. We might eventually add support API to API. Maybe we will add some uh, direct calls to some databases so that people don't even have to implement the APIs. Uh, the data can be just compared with still discussing this. And we are working on improving the output. Uh, we're adding the uh, option to publish the results into a BigQuery table so that it's very convenient for the business uh, stakeholders for data analysts because they can just uh, query it further and make decisions based on that. All right. Well, Pet Paul, take it away for the closing round. Yeah, guys. So uh, could you say <laughs> your most important uh, takeaway with us? What's the thing the, the audience really should uh, remember after having listened to this podcast? I can start. Please, Mikola, do. If you are working within bold.com, please give a try to our <laughs> DQS tool. We are really trying hard to make it useful and good uh, and easy for you to use for you. If you're outside bold.com, unfortunately, you're a little bit out of luck. Maybe you will want to go inside, but... Uh, you're not uh, open source at uh, Mikola? Well, I don't think that like open sourcing this tool makes much sense. It's very much... Um, well, not very much, but it's uh, essentially grounded into our realities, how we build the services, how we deploy the services. Uh, so only the algorithm, the white paper of how we do this, maybe it would make sense, but not the implementation itself. Surya? Um, yeah, I'll send Mikola. Please uh, use DQS, and if you are outside of Bold.com, join Bold.com, uh, and you'll see that uh, DQS is great. <laughs> And no, well, I, I do think that in general, you should pay more attention on the quality of your data and it, it would help a lot of people. And it's, uh, and I think it's a very complex problem to ensure data quality. DQS is one part of the solution because there are other things we can think of, uh, to improve the quality. So I'm really looking forward, uh, for the next steps at Bold.com. Yeah, so there's not much for me uh, to repeat after that. But I would say if you love your data, um, make sure that you you're seri- you treat it seriously. So you cannot just say, well, the data is only used for uh, like uh, estimation purposes or whatever. It's not you don't know what it's going to be used for. So uh, it might be somebody's money uh, that's going over the line. Uh, so treat it seriously. Think what you have to do to make it safe and reliable. Uh, that can be used uh, by using DQS, but maybe there's another tool. Maybe you can check it in a different way. And then after that, you can say, well, we have 95%, so it's good enough. But before you measure it, you have no idea if it's in fact 95% or a lot less. So go out there and check, I would say. Cool. Hey, thanks, uh, thanks, guys, for your uh, for your time to spend with uh, with us and uh, recording this podcast uh, about this uh, subject. And uh, well, maybe the Chris, the the summer uh, summer you just did. Uh, if you love your data, treat it seriously. Maybe that's a nice one for the the title of this episode. <laughs> to add to it, it's, uh, I, it's great. I have not trademarked it. Go with it. <laughs> <laughs> And I think also to, to, to give a takeaway for the people outside of Bold.com, I think that if you are serious about uh, 
being a data-driven company, that you have to take care of your data quality and data consistency should be a very important uh, part of that. And I hope that in this uh, episode, you've given some good examples of how you can approach that. And um, yeah, if you have questions about that, uh, just uh, reach out to one of us and uh, we'll help you with some, uh, some tips over there. Thanks. Good to be here, guys. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you liked the episode, check some of the others. Go to Spotify or iTunes, search for TechLab and subscribe. Leave a five-star review so others can find the podcast easier and spread the word. We like interactions, so if you have any questions or suggestions, find us on Twitter, LinkedIn or mail techlab at ball.com. Hope to meet you in our next episode. Have fun!